I think the focus for a worship song, it has to be focused on God. There can be elements in my mind and heart, I think there can be elements of us talking about our brokenness and talking about our failures or even talking about the goodness that comes from serving God. But ultimately, I think it has to come back to Him and the focus being on Him. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Today's episode is the first of a two-part Candid conversation with award-winning singer, songwriter, producer, and musician, Mac Powell. A native of Alabama and Georgia, both of Mac's parents would sing and play guitar around the house, and it was through their influence and incredible record collection that encouraged his musical gifts. But it was his relationship with the Lord through the study of his word that led him to write and produce some of the most prolific modern worship songs of our time. Mac recently joined the worship team at the Church of the Apostles as the in-house artist and he has brought such a rich depth of insight into our worship time. He will also tour the world with my dad, Dr. Michael Youssef, for leading the way live events when venues reopen. Today, we explore Mac's background, insight into contemporary Christian music, and we uncover the three things that inspire him daily in his relationship with Christ. Now to the interview. Mac Powell. Yes, sir. Thank you for being on uh, Candid Conversations. Hey, and I'm going to be very candid with you during this <laughs> that's conversation. The whole point of, yes. That's the title, isn't it? <laughs> I think a, probably most of our listeners will be familiar with your musical background, but mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself, yeah. your testimony, right. uh, and then we'll kind of delve into some different areas. Well, I hope you have a great editor because I like to talk a lot. I so. do. <laughs> a fantastic team, actually. Great, great. Uh, well, I'm originally from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up there in a real small town called Clanton, right in the middle of the state. Uh, you know, if you blink, you'll miss it. It's where people stop to get gas on the way to Florida. So grew up there basically uh, until I was about to be a sophomore in the summer before I went into my sophomore year. My dad got transferred here to Marietta, Georgia, hmm. with his job. And so I moved here uh, my sophomore year, went to Marietta High School, then McEachern High School in West Cobb. So I went to three high schools in four years because of moving. Uh, always job moving stuff, so nothing bad, right. just transfers. And, um, you know, I grew up in church um, at an early age, went to this real small Baptist church, sang in church, sang in choir, did solos. Uh, I remember at an early age walking an aisle and, and by myself giving my life to Jesus, hearing the gospel, you know, the, the simple gospel that I was a sinner and needed to be saved, and He was the only way mm. to that salvation mm. that I could never earn that on my own. And I believe that even as a little kid. And so uh, I surrendered uh, and yet just never just was never really discipled, never, never grew in my faith. And when I was a senior in high school, 
I was about to graduate. Uh, still went to a little church here in, in West Cobb in Marietta, Georgia. Had never really read the Bible that much. Just go, went to Sunday school, and that was about it, you know. And um, I had all these questions about life because I'm about to graduate, and we were kind of a lower middle class family, so it was like we don't really have money for college. Right. I don't know if I need to join the military, like what, or get a real job. I don't know what I would do. So I was just really lost, just not knowing what the next step was in life. And somebody at church had said, you should read the book of Romans. And so I was sitting on the edge of my bed. I remember it, maybe not like it was yesterday, but maybe last week. Yeah. And just going, okay, well, maybe I can find some answers in this book. I yeah. believe in God. Yeah. Um, and so I started reading the book of Romans, and I just felt God's Holy Spirit unlike it, it, ever before. Yeah. And just this peace of knowing if I completely surrender to Him, then everything would be fine. And so I remember um, just doing that and going, oh, okay. And I do believe that I was saved when I was a kid, but I never, I didn't come into the full understanding yeah. of that. And uh, I was dating somebody at the time. I remember calling her and going, I've surrendered my life to Jesus. And I, and I remember her going, again, because, you know, <laughs> you would do that every year at yeah. summer camp, yeah, church right. camp or whatever. Right. I was, and But there was something about it this time. I went, no, I really I understand it now. And so I was in a, a garage rock band with a guy named Mark Lee. We were in marching band together in high school. And uh, he was kind of going through some similar things in life. Mm-hmm. He had lost his father the summer before. Mm-hmm. And we were in this band, and I was going to give it up because I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to live for Jesus now. And I'm singing some things I don't need to be singing about, hanging out in places I don't need to be hanging out. And he said, well, why don't we start a Christian band? I'm like, great, what's that? I had no idea. I knew nothing about Christian music. I just sang Southern gospel and hymns growing up in church. That's the only church music I knew. And so I started listening to it. And this is around 91. I graduated in 91. Both of us did. And uh, I went, man, this is incredible that I can share my faith through my music. Mm. I just thought that was just the greatest thing ever. Mm. And so I started writing songs about my faith and, and the things that I was learning through the scriptures. And uh, that slowly turned into what became Third Day, and we were a band for almost 25 years. And um, so then I met my wife in high school. We were high school sweethearts. Got married a few years later in '96, and uh, you know, fast forward to now, I have five beautiful children, ages 21 down to 10, wow. and uh, just uh, had a. There was a, a new worship song that I heard recently from a friend. His name is Josh Baldwin. And it's called The Evidence. And the chorus says, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. And I do that. When I look back at my life, I just see God's faithfulness, you know, to, and His love for me and my family. So I'm very thankful. Your love, oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your Stretches to the skies And your righteousness Is like the mighty mountain Yeah And your justice flows Like the ocean's tide I will lift my high voice 
Now, music, how was that transition from sort of singing as a kid, gospel music, mm -hmm. and then you've obviously probably grown up with country music, rock yeah, and roll, that right, sort of thing, and right. you're doing that. How did you make that transition into Christian music? What you know, yeah. you started listening to who were you listening to? Right. How did that make an impact on you? Yeah, and I had grown up around music because both of my parents play guitar and sing, so right. nothing professional, but right. just having it constantly. And they had a great, great record collection. My dad was in the army when I was a little kid, and so uh, so I lived in Taiwan for just a, maybe six to nine months. And they bought all these albums for like cents, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so they had hundreds of albums where they were being made anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so hundreds of albums, and I, just all this classic stuff that they would listen to is kind of what I would listen to. And of course, I was a pop radio fan too. So I had this combination of everything that was old and new, uh, a little bit of gospel music from going to church, you know. Yeah. And so um, I don't know. I just kind of used all of those elements kind of mixed up inside my mind and my heart to become what what I would make because because I didn't really listen as I said I didn't listen to Christian music growing up I didn't know anything about it and so when I was making it I was making what I thought it should be and right. in one regard we thought Mark and I thought that we were inventing this new thing but as right. we went to listen to more Christian to some Christian music we realized oh this has been around it's for a long there. time there's been a lot of people doing this <laughs> So uh, some of those early people that we listened to, uh, Rich Mullins was to this day one of my favorite songwriters mm -hmm. of all time, and mm -hmm. uh, Michael W. Smith. I think his his Eye to Eye record was probably the first Christian record that I ever heard. And so now, fast forward many years later, to get to be on tour with him and hang out with him and be a friend with him is you know I feel like a little kid still around him. Um, Stephen Curtis Chapman, of course. Uh, there was the first rock Christian rock record we heard. We were. It's so funny. Back in the day, you'd go to these music stores. There was, you know, yep. kids, if you're listening now and you don't know what I'm talking about, you could go to these stores where it was specifically just, they just sold music. And so we would go and we had heard about this band called White Heart. And, uh, our, our, and we couldn't find the White Heart record, so we got a White Cross record. We thought, well, that's close enough. <laughs> and it was this very metal guitar thing with, you know, singing <laughs> about Jesus. Yeah, not what I was expecting. <laughs> but at the same time, it was so great because I, I thought, man, I had no idea there was anything like this. Genre, yeah. Yeah, and so um, as we dug deeper into Christian music and listened to these great uh, musicians and artists, uh, you know, that, that really influenced us and our music and, and our ministry. Mm. I'm just thinking because it's funny. It's you've kind of drawn a little bit of lines of delineation. There's sort of the there's like the church music that you grow up with, mm -hmm. the sort of gospel right. hymns, the right. things that people would associate with, mm -hmm. you know, a more contemporary church. Then you've got sort of commonplace music. People use the term secular, but there's really right. no such thing as sacred music. So I don't want to use that terminology. But but you know the the yeah. you know, pop culture music, and then you have Christian music seems to have become like a third element. And I wonder if you could help us differentiate the particularly as we think about church music and Christian music that mm -hmm. you hear on the radio because right. we don't typically hear hymns right. and things like that on the radio. What would you say are the the dividing things between that? And maybe there aren't. Maybe yeah. maybe you maybe they're all well, and I together. Think, yeah, and that's a great question because I feel like what has become modern worship music is, you know, Christian music, uh, uh, contemporary Christian music, CCM 
was a combination of modern music of what was on the radio at the time mm-hmm. and you know and and maybe lyrically from a hymn or a old southern gospel right uh, thing and so I think modern worship has kind of done that uh, even to the next level where CCM music is more about life and things that you go through as a believer worship music of course is focused is like an old hymn that's focused primarily on worshiping God and praise. And so you try to make it more focused on God, and I I think that would be considered a worship song. Um, And so, you know, I've always, because of that combination of all those things of mainstream music, as I would call it, stuff that my dad listened to, like James Taylor and Elton John and, you know, the Allman Brothers, things like that, Credence Clearwater Revival, all this stuff from the 60s and 70s, and then than pop stuff that I was listening. I was a big Michael Jackson fan when I was, was a kid. Who was not? Who was you know? yeah. yeah. And so kind of combining those with hymns that I grew up with and, uh, you know, even Southern gospel stuff that really kind of is more of like a country music element to it. Uh, the, that combination and those ingredients are what really com- came into making what third the third day sound was. I, I, we've several people have told me through the years there was something different about our sound. And I think it's mm-hmm. because we had and everyone everyone has the different influences that come in. It's that sure. those ingredients that make that stew or that gumbo, you know. Right. And I think we just had with that, within us. It was not only what I listened to, but what all the other guys in the band listened to. We all brought our own thing to it. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting to see how things have changed where worship music, I'm not going to say it's bigger than CCM music, but it's, it's so much bigger than it used to be. Back when I was starting out with Third Day, worship music was kind of a small little entity to the side yeah. that the older people listen to. And that's right. really, really changed in the past probably 10 to 15 years. Yeah. There's the worship. There's the uh, ascribing worth to God and who He is yes. through songs. Then there's there's also the element of... Uh, revealing of ourselves, uh, talking a little bit about more our struggles or our situations. Mm -hmm. Did you work out a balance between those things on your albums, or did you kind of lean heavy one or the other? Yeah, I think there there are seasons in that, and I think those seasons will always change and and come back around again. I think for us with Third Day, we... And I'm glad you asked this because I, I was going to say this a moment ago and kind of I went on a rabbit trail, but coming back onto the main road now... Worship was always a part of what we did. We weren't necessarily a worship band. Right. We were definitely a rock band that wanted to play songs about our faith, which turned in was became was CCM music is what we did. And yet, um, worship we started out. We met in a church. You know, we we would go and we would lead uh, high school, you know, Wednesday night services and things like that, or we would play for a, a Sunday morning you know, uh, Sunday school class or whatever. And so you would always be prepared to do worship. And and so that was always a part of what we did, even though we weren't a worship band per se. Uh, so there would be seasons where we would focus more on the worship. In fact, our, our biggest album we ever, uh, we ever recorded 
was a, a record. It was called Offerings. It was a worship album. And it was the fourth record that we had put out. And the record company didn't even want to do it because it was a worship record and worship wasn't really big. And they were like, you're a rock band. Why would you try to do that? Right. We had so many fans who came up to us in our shows, after our shows, and said, man, that worship section that you guys did, really like that. You should do a record like that. And so we heard that so much, we went, okay, we'll do this for our fans. We'll put it out there. And at the time, we were selling, I don't know, 250, 300,000 units on the records that we had made. And we thought, if we put this out and, and sell a tenth of that, it's fine. We're just going to make it's a, it's a fan piece. It's for our fans, and, and right. they're, they're asking for it. So we'll give it. The record company was like, no, nah, I don't do that. And we finally talked them into it. Ended up being a double platinum record, you know? Wow. I think that record, because it was more worship focused, I think in people's hearts and minds mm. in the past who listened to third day or heard about third day they went oh that's the youth group band so that's that's what my kids listen to and then when we put out a worship record they they went well maybe i'll listen to that and it really expanded our territory yeah. you know as the scripture talks about i think more people gave us a chance to listen to it and liked it and so it things kind of really blew up from there yeah God of wonders beyond all What would you say is your philosophy or theology behind um, a worship song, worship music? That's a great question. I mean, I think I could answer it broadly. Um, I think, and it's kind of common sense, and I'm going to say it, and you're going to go, well, yeah, duh. But it really, I think the focus for a worship song, it has to be focused on God. Uh, there can be elements in my mind and heart. I think there can be elements of us talking about our brokenness and talking about, you know, our failures or even talking about the goodness that comes from serving God. But it, but ultimately, I think it has to come back to, to him and the focus being on him. Mm. And what do you find is like a primary driver? Do you feel like scripture drives uh, you know, drives the car, so to speak, or is it sort of uh, experiences that you've been through that yeah. sort of drives the the music? It's a little bit of of all that. I think for me, scripture is is one of the things you you can't get away from. I've said many times, uh, I owe King David a lot of uh, you know a lot of <laughs> publishing money because yeah, right. of the a lot of ideas I've gotten have come from the Psalms and come from different scriptures and. And so I don't think it has to be necessarily from Scripture, but your life itself has to be in the Word. I, I've said this many times. It's, it's kind of my life's, for lack of a better term, mantra. It's like a thing that I live by and I think about every day. It's like there are three witnesses in our life to bring us closer to God and closer to each other, really, to people. Uh, it's the Word of God, the Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's the this Holy Spirit, and you receive that through prayer. And it's the people of God, the church. And so for me, I just know that's my medicine. I have to have those three witnesses, those three elements in my life every day. The Word, God's Spirit, and the people of God. Mm-hmm. And if I don't fill and surround myself with those three witnesses, then I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. I really am. Mm-hmm. And so I think 
back to your question, I feel like as a songwriter, if you're going to write a worship song, if you're going to write a Christian song, you know, you you have to be in those things. I, I've I've often said I feel like God used Third Day just as much for me mm-hmm. and the guys in the band mm-hmm. than He did for the hundreds of thousands of people that were reached by our music. Mm-hmm. I think it gave us a responsibility and a uh, accountability of being in the Word and of being. I wanted to be a man and still do a man that when I'm on that stage and I'm singing, I'm talking about God. That it's what that is truth, and it's not just based on my life that I had 20 years ago or 10 years ago or even last year. It has to be contemporary. It has to be today. Yeah, yeah. Mac, I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about how music ministers to people. Mm-hmm. Like, how has it ministered right. to you through your life? Right. And two, how have you seen the outworking of your own ministry of music to others? Yeah. Well, music is a definitely a powerful tool that God has used um, in this world, in our lives, it's it, you see it and you hear it everywhere. And I've seen these specials before on these on these writers like uh, uh, John Williams, who writes all these big you know songs for and music for these uh, movies. Right. And if yeah. you don't know the name John Williams, you've heard so much of his music before. Um, you know, he's written music for all these huge films and a lot of Steven Spielberg films and mm. for all the Star Wars films, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, all these classic movies that yeah. we know and love. And it's so interesting when I've seen some specials before about what he does and other writers for of music for movies and television. You take that element out, it's amazing how much uh, emotion yeah. music brings yeah. and how much it builds the drama and the... Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, it, it, think about cartoons. Cartoons have so much, even the old Bugs Bunny, you know, old school things from back in the 30s or 40s. There is so much to the music that brings you alive right. and brings the, the picture, the, the video, the, the whatever alive. Right. And so I think it, it's interesting and it made me, to me because I've heard people say, as a, as a lover of music and as a person who, you know, that's kind of my career and such a huge part of my life, when someone says to me, I'm not really a big music fan, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's like, it's like someone saying, I don't like, I don't really like air. I don't like color. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, I don't like color. That, I don't like hearing things too much, you know? So, so music is, is, you know, and I know there, it's much more important to some than others. Um, you know, just like you have foodies who are so much more into eating food and different things about food or whatever. So music Taking pictures of food, I think. right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that um, you know when it comes to our faith, and, it, and it's, it's scriptural too. I mean, there's so many scriptures about music. Oh yeah. And and I think when God has that much of something in the Bible, we should probably pay attention to it. And, and it comes down to worship in the temple, or it comes down to you know even battles. Yeah. Battles fighting, fighting uh, Israel, fighting other, you know, peoples. Um, music was a big part of that. And so I'm fortunate enough to someone who loves music to, to be able to have done that for a living. And also, so music is back to your question. There was so much music that when I, in those early days, when I shared that testimony a moment ago about when I really surrendered to the Lord, when I was about to graduate high school, I just, man, I, 
I just ate up Christian music because there was it was there was so much scripture in it, and there was it was that and the music itself helped me to grow in my faith to think about things that I wouldn't normally know about or think about uh, in in regards to faith. And so to be able to do that in return for other people, uh, what an honor! I mean, first of all, just an honor to be able to sing to Jesus and to talk about Him, but then to be able to share that with other people. Uh, to see the effect that the music has had on people's lives. I mean, when you have several people through the years come up to you and say, I was in a place where I was ready to end my life, but I didn't, but because I heard this song that you wrote, you know that's not coincidence, and that's and but also you know it's not of it's not of myself. There's, and I've said this before to people as well that if we in Third Day, if we had some pretty good success, and let's say we had sold a million records through our career and won a couple of awards or whatever and had a couple of number one hits, I'd probably be a lot more prideful about life because I'd go, oh, we can we can do that on our own. But because it went so far beyond anything that we knew we could do by ourselves, at some point it's kind of like it's laughable going, God, I don't know why you're doing this and allowing us to be this instrument yeah. uh, and bringing us this su- success, but but I'm thankful. It's like a roller coaster ride, and I'm just going to hold on and enjoy yeah. it, you know. And so that's mm. uh, people have asked me, how do you remain humble? And it's like it's not. First of all, I'm married and I have kids, so it's not <laughs> it's not hard. Uh, the ultimate of humility. <laughs> yes, but also because there's so much more success in my life than I that I know, no, no, beyond anything I could accomplish on my own. Mm. It's very humbling, mm. and I'm thankful. Mm. You talked a bit about um, there, there's an emotional connection that human beings make with music. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I mean, if you saw a scene in a movie and you removed all the music, it, it doesn't have very the same different. impact, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think there can be a danger with that, that, mm. that, that then music can be used to... Yes. As a tool, purely as that tool mm-hmm. f- to emotionally manipulate people. Yeah, yeah, I think there can be. Uh, most definitely, I've seen it happen. Um, but I think you'd rather have that danger than not have the good that can come from music. Right. And once again, back to right. sc- to the scripture. Right. Um, if if it was to- so much of a danger that you know, God felt like this, you know, we shouldn't have this. He would have banned it. Yeah, he would have banned it and we wouldn't be talking about it or it wouldn't be in the scripture so much. Yeah. Or if it were, it'd be talking about not doing this. Yeah. But there's so many, you know, singing to the Lord a new song. Yeah. Uh, you know, play these instruments unto God. Yeah. Worship the God through music. Uh, and we, of course we know, and that's the other danger, I think, is a lot of people in their minds, the worship. And I think this is more of a contemporary thing of, of our day now. People think, well, the way I worship God is through music. But mm. worship is so much more than that. Yeah. But thankfully, we get, we get to the opportunity to use music in worship. made some musical pivots mm-hmm. uh, in the recent months and years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to us a little bit about you've now sort of launched a, a, a 
country music career. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about family reunion and, yeah. and sort of what that looks like. Well, yeah, I, I felt for many years as I was doing Third Day music, there was this hunger deep inside to really, um, to really try to reach some people outside of the church walls. And through the years, you'll hear every once in a while with, with contemporary Christian music, people say, well, you're just preaching to the choir. But I never minded that because I was in the choir and I needed preaching too. <laughs> so I real, I remember that and I realized that in life. So the I gospel wondered, is for those who need it. Right. Which is <laughs> all of us. And so, yeah, exactly. And so I said, I never had a problem with, I was thankful to be in Christian music. But I think you reach a point in your faith, especially when you grow after a few years, um, you want to try to do more than just stick to yourself. You want to try to reach outside of those church walls. And so that's what I wanted to do with country music. And I have the voice that kind of fits. I have met many people through the years go, man, have you ever thought about singing country music? And I, and I grew up with country music, but had once I started making CCM music, Christian music, I didn't really listen to it anymore. So I kind of gotten, gotten away from hearing it for, long, for many years. But that it would never leave. It would never, that, that thing that was in my heart to try to make that kind of music and, and share the gospel outside of the church. And so, uh, and so a few years ago, uh, whenever Third Day would have a break, I would get together some friends. Uh, they were all uh, always believers. Most of them usually played in worship bands. And we'd get in a van and trailer, and we'd play these little bitty clubs across the U.S., you know, yeah. the kind of places that... You know, most people that go to church would not go into. Yeah. And, you know, they've got to have the electric bull plugged up in the corner, those kind of yeah. places. And we just go in there and, and love on people and, and play some country music. But at the same time, we'd share, you know, I do Amazing Grace and I Saw the Light and things like that. And it was amazing the people that we would get to talk to. Uh, I have a lot of, a lot of women would come talk to me and say, and they'd have their husbands and say, he never, he would never come to a third day show or go to a Christian concert with me. But because you're here, he felt, you know, at ease. Mm. And so thank you for doing it. This is the first date we've been on in two years. You know, things like that. And we, we go in and we see these kids who were working waitress, wait staff, or people who bartenders who grew up in the church mm. and had gotten away from it. Mm. And they go, what are you doing here? And I, I grew up listening to Third Day. I'm so glad you're here. And so just to kind of speak mm. into their lives and mm. encourage them and love on them, so I really, today, now I have the best of both worlds. I get to do that, and yet, you know, of course, lead worship at Church of the Apostles, but continue to make uh, contemporary Christian music as well. And so I, I think we as believers, if we are strong in our faith, um, we can't just stick to ourselves w- with the church. I mean, you're constantly sharing that as well. We have to reach out to our neighbors, to the ones who don't know the Lord. And how can we not? I mean, when we've been given this this great secret as the scripture said that's been revealed to us yeah uh and this light how can we not want to share that and so i think it goes back to what's what i was talking about a second ago if we're in the word if we're you know being led by god's spirit and if we're surrounding ourselves with believers hopefully that will encourage us to go out into the world and to share the gospel yeah there are different industries right so there's a christian music industry Mm -hmm. there's a country music uh, sort of mainstream industry. Uh, what what are the differences you see between the two, if any? <laughs> I may have, uh, That's a great you question. You may not be at liberty to say no, something. I'll but... say this. I'll say this. That um, there are a lot of similarities industry because it's business. Right. Just like I'm sure there are some similarities here in the church. 
or leading the way uh, with other businesses. You have to do those accountable things, you know. But I think overall, for the most part, what I've found in Christian music business, uh, especially in the artists, I think uh, there's a lot of friends that I have and relatives that I have that through the years have come up to me and said, hey, tell me about so-and-so, about this artist and that artist. What are they really like? And I have found 99.5% of the time that people who are in Christian music, whether they're artists or business people, they're there because they want to be, because they love the Lord and they... You know, if you're an artist, you have this you love for music, and so you want to just combine that, your faith and your music, love for music. Um, you know, if you're a business person, you have this desire to use those things you've learned and what God has blessed you with uh, in your education and, and just in your career or whatever to be able to, you know, kind of grow this Christian music whatever business. Right, right. But at the same time, there's a lot of believers in country music too. A lot. Musicians and and, you know, managers and agents and you go down the line. So so um you know, I have nothing but good things to say. Yeah. Or let, let's say yeah. 99.5% good things to say man. about the industry. <laughs> You're now music minister over um here at the Church of the Apostles. Mm-hmm. How does that differ from what I would call sort of the performance industry yeah. where you're sort of you're on a stage right. where people have paid money for tickets right. to come. Yeah. They're different. Yeah, it's very different. Uh, just like the business we were talking about. Yeah. I think there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of differences. I was thinking about this in, on this morning driving in that the, the main difference for me is besides the travel factor of not being in a different place every night um, is learning new songs for the week you know you you can't for if you're in a band uh and you're traveling you're in a different place every night playing in front of different people you can kind of do the same thing you know most of the nights are list we would try to change it up a little bit just to keep it interesting for us and for people who would travel with us and and had seen the show the night before or a month before whatever but for the most part you're at 90 percent of it you're doing the same thing same jokes same you know scripture that you want to share with people same songs down the down the road for this and this is very different i've led worship in the past and done that but i've never been at a place i've never been a uh, you know on staff at a church to be able to you know shake it up every week to have something different and maybe maybe you might from week to week maybe there's one song that carries over or a song you did two or three weeks ago but for the most part it's different. It keeps you on your toes a lot more. Everybody knows what you said last week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least you hope, you hope they remember yeah, yeah. it. So, um, so, you know, that's, that's the thing that's really, it's a lot more work in a good way than I thought it would be because it does. It keeps you on your toes. And it, and it also, the good thing about it, it really keeps you, once again, that accountability I was talking about earlier about in the Word and in prayer uh, and in conversation with believers about you know what's the Lord doing? Not only is what is He doing, but what's He going to want to do? You know what's He want to show us, and where does He want to take us? And mm-hmm. and so I love that element of it. This may be a little curveball, but do you think there's bad Christian music out there? Uh, define bad. <laughs> um, well, actually, that can go two ways. So, <laughs> do you think there is music that has wrong theology and do you think there's music that may have the right theology but just doesn't sound good yes and yes 
Um, but I think overall, there's so many gatekeepers and so many uh, people overseeing those things. Um, it's, I mean, even with us in the church, it's, I don't want to say it's rare, but it's almost rare that, that you come upon a song and you go, ah, oh, man, I just don't know about this. In fact, we did a song a month ago, uh, and it was one of those, hmm, I'm not sure I know how I interpret and, and, and hear what it's saying in the song, but I can see where someone would else would think that it means something different. Yeah. And so those are the things you're more careful of. It's not so much uh, something straight up wrong. It's more of what's the interpretation of this. Yeah. But that can be said about a hymn yeah. as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's another thing you have to be uh, careful of and mindful of. And I think there are times where you want to, as a leader, you almost want to sometimes not do something that's not scriptural, but but almost challenge mm. uh, people in the sense of wanting to, them to ask questions and think about those things, as opposed to just be you know spoon fed something. Mm. Uh, I'm sure you've probably come across that in 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 you know sharing what you want to share on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Sometimes you want to shake it up, not just to shake it up and to to you know rustle, rustle some feathers, but really to kind of kind of open up the ears and the eyes of the congregation of ourselves to really dig deep into what is it we truly believe and why do we believe that? So yeah, that, to answer your question, I think there probably there is, but I think it's very rare that there's something bad. There's, it's less rare that there's just not good songs. <laughs> the songs aren't good, right. but you know, that's all to interpretation yeah. there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Music is, can be very subjective, right? very subjective. Um, this is something I've always wondered uh, and now I have you here and I can ask you. Okay. Uh, it's not about you personally. It's about in the ministry of music. Is there a point where you switch off receiving and you feel like it's just giving, um, you know, in terms of this is my performance? Or does the music allow to kind of come back in some sense, almost a reverberation and, and minister to you, yeah. even even the lyrics and, and kind yeah. of... I think uh, it's the latter. I think there are times when you just do a song, and perhaps because it's subjective, sometimes that song's just not hitting you. I mean, I have, you know, we have a great worship team here. Not only a great band, but four other, besides myself, worship leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, yesterday, we had... Uh, half an hour discussion about what what are the songs coming up Sunday. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't choose any of them, and I just wasn't super excited about it. But I trust them that they've done some of these songs that I haven't done uh, and that they've done them here and told me, hey, this goes over really well. And so I have to find that balance as the person that's kind of in charge of overseeing that. Mm. But at the same time, because things are so subjective, not go, hey, just because I don't love this list right. doesn't mean it's not going to be great. Right. So that's a hard place to be in. Um, but uh, I forgot the, for the initial question. Me too. <laughs> uh, but I think, oh, you were talking oh, about... Does the, do you allow that the music yeah, to minister to you? For the most, yeah, for the most part, absolutely. That's why I'm still doing, hmm. you know worship music and contemporary Christian music because it ministers to me. And I see not only to me, but it has the effect on other people. I'm not sure. I'd like to think this is true. Uh, I don't know what the truth is because I haven't had to cross that bridge, but I'm not sure if it didn't minister to me that I would still do it. I'm not sure I would want to continue 
Because then uh, it would just be performance. It would just be performance, which is fine. I don't think there's a problem with that in music. Right. But when it, in regards to worship or contemporary Christian music, if you're not being stirred by it, then, then, then something's wrong. I remember one of the first Sundays um, that I was coming in as part of the staff, as part of the worship team officially, and I left, I don't know, maybe 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning from my home, and the sun was just rising up in front of me while while I'm driving, I can see it, and I'm listening to the songs uh, to kind of get prepared for rehearsal for Sunday morning, and I just started crying, Mm. just singing these songs and hearing them and just... A lot of them as prayers, you know, um, and so absolutely, yeah, uh, they still minister to me, and and they better always do that. Yeah. I hope so, because if, if not, then something's wrong with me. And so, uh, yeah, it, back to that truth of the power that's in music. I don't think music should replace, and that's another danger. I think a lot of people, music has replaced their time in the Word, and they're getting their scripture from another source than directly from Scripture. So we have to be very careful about that. Yeah. But music can be a great tool, and a great learning tool to help us grow in our faith. Yeah. You were talking uh, just a minute ago about putting the sort of music set together and the song selection. What is your objective? What is the yeah. goal of when you put songs together, you work with the team, what are you all striving right. for? Well, I, I think you definitely you want to engage people. You want people drawn in. I know in the past for me, I've heard musicians, Christian musicians say, I'm not here to entertain anybody. I'm here to just share the gospel with them. But in my mind, I'm like, if you're not entertaining them, they're not going to want to listen to you. Yeah. So maybe engage is probably the better word. You want to draw them in. And you, as a speaker, you do that in different ways. You, you share a joke or you share a great story. Right. Um, and so we want to do that with music. We want to engage people. We want to draw people in. Of course, ultimately, the reason we want to do it is for to draw people in to worship God. Mm-hmm. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, you know, to, to answer your question, that engagement is not only in drawing people in, but, but giving people permission. Uh, and this may come across in a bad way, but almost sometimes you have to tell people mm-hmm. what they should do or, or, or lead them, I guess, in, in how to worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also in response, I know for me, I, I say, I'll give you an example. I had never, I grew up in a church where you did not lift your hands. You did not say amen. Like if, if there was somebody who said amen to the they were sermon. Cast out. Yeah. Well, you would just go, what's he doing? That's ra- That's, you know, that's, that's radical. If someone said amen, you know, you, you thought, Hey, you need to go to the Pentecostal church yeah, down the road. Down the right? yeah. So, um, so, and, and I went to a, uh, one of my first contemporary Christian concerts I ever went to, I went and people were worshiping in a way that I'd never seen before. So people were lifting their hands and I went, man, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know why they're doing that. But I followed that lead and I lifted up my hands and there was just, I remember there was just this burden yeah. lifted off of me. There yeah. was just this freedom and the simplicity of raising your hands. Now, 
Do you have to lift your hands to worship God? Absolutely not. However, there's a lot of scriptures that say to do that. Yeah, positions. And, or, right, or, totally. Yeah. And, and so I think in trying to, you know, as worship leaders, you want to show people in a way. You want to set the example of, of how you can do that and, and give people that permission and that uh, guidance into doing those things, to lifting your voice, to lifting your hands, sometimes to falling down on your knees, which we don't do a lot, you know, in the church and that's scriptural as well. Yeah. And so um, that's a long answer to your short question, no, no, but those no. are some of the things you want to do. But you always want the focus to go back on the goodness of God, on worshiping Him because He is deserving of that worship. The blind house sight, the deaf now The lost strong near And with new life The dead are raised All through the power In Jesus' name The tide finds The sick are healed What a great reminder to keep our hearts focused on the goodness of God. We are in the middle of trying times, but God is always good. Next week, Max shares how he has experienced the faithfulness of God over the past year as his family has faced multiple trials. Subscribe to the podcast so you can listen as soon as the second episode is released. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. By subscribing, you make sure you never miss an episode. It's delivered to you as soon as we release it. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Check out our show notes for more information and resources from today's guest. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode. No one.